Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. It took a few people and a few years for me to finally get over that mental block of going like, you know what? I'm going to charge this. And sometimes I just do experiments. I'll just say like a number, like I don't want to work that weekend or something. I'll be like, yeah, you can probably get me that for like this amount of money. And they'll be like, okay. I'm like, freaking A. Now I have to work, but at least I'm working for like $12,000. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. My guest this week on the Portrait System podcast is Anna Wen with Z Anna Photography. Anna lives in Florida, and while she used to shoot up to 50 weddings per year, she has moved to only portraits and commercial photography, and she tells us all about how she grew the portrait side of her business. Something Anna is really strong at is leveraging her network, and she's gotten a ton of bookings by marketing in this way. Something Anna doesn't love is selling her own prints. So what she did is she hired a sales team who does this for her, and now she makes money while she sleeps. I'm very excited for you to hear about this because it's a brilliant way to sell your work if you don't love selling. Okay, let's get started with Anna Wen. Hey, Anna. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just coming off of the 4th of July weekend and feeling a little sunburnt and happy. (laughs) At least you went outside. It was so hot here in Florida that I just, I didn't want to be outside. I just want to be inside where the AC is. Uh, I feel like this time of year for you guys is really hard. Whereas for us, we're just like, oh, it's the best, best, best time of the year. It was actually really nice the evening of the 4th. Like the rains were coming in, so it was cool, had a breeze. But it's been brutal during the day. We're looking at like 104 degrees during the day. Oh, with the humidity too. Yes. So it's been probably one of the hottest summers since I've lived here. I've lived here for over 18 years. Wow. And it's 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 tough. Stay hydrated, you guys. Don't I go know. outside too long. I know. Hey, what part of Florida are you in? So I live in Southwest Florida. I live in a small little town called Babcock Ranch. Uh, but my service area is I service anywhere from Marco Island to Boca Grande. And how, just for people who don't know Florida, like, how is that like a really large area? Like, what are we talking? We're talking, it's technically so Tampa is on like the upper east, like upper west coast, and then Miami is on the east coast, but a little south. Mm-hmm. So we're like a triangle. So we're like, if if you went straight down from Tampa, you'd hit Naples and then go straight across the state and you'll hit Miami. So, so you're servicing all that area? Yes and no. So I don't service, I do service Sarasota. 
but there's a travel fee for Sarasota. Yeah. So, but my main, main, main market is like Captiva Island. So they call it the Paradise Coast and it encompasses all of like Boca Grande, which is if you're like probably about an hour and a half south of Tampa, okay, all the way to like Everglades City, which is also about another hour and a half from Miami, like an hour or so. Yeah, I hadn't planned on really asking you about that, but once you said that you service different areas, I I like that you said that because I think sometimes people forget that they don't have to just stay in their town. People are like, "Well, I'm in a small town," and it's like, "Well, there are other you know cities like." I remember driving like over an hour to get to certain networking meetings. Like sometimes you just have to go outside, you know, I don't know. Well, it's also weird. So like, you know, Na- downtown Naples for me is 53 miles from where I live, but it takes an hour to get there. Yeah. So yeah. it's, but it doesn't feel like it. So it's a how nice my drive. area, how, yeah, how my area is kind of structured is very similar to like, not like rural. It's not rural where you have to drive 30 minutes to get to like, anywhere, like any mm-hmm. population. I, I technically, where I live, Backhawk Ranch is rural, but I'm 10 minutes away from like the main road to get to the freeway. And then I'm 30 minutes away from the closest target. So if you think about like time spent in the car, 30 minutes to the closest target, 35 minutes to the closest Costco, mm-hmm. that's still like, we're still kind of not metro. Yeah. Like I try to explain. Yeah. You're not, I like, mean, 30 minutes from a target to some people is like a huge deal. <laughs> right. And mostly like, I tell them like, it's like a combination of distance and traffic. So, mm-hmm. but my area is really unique because everything kind of blends in together. So like there's highways, there's roads that intersect each city so, and they change their name. So like from Fort Myers, one of the roads is called um, Treeline. Treeline, when it hits Bonita Springs, Astero, it becomes Imperial Parkway. And then when that hits Naples, it becomes... Livingston. So like it's one road, mm-hmm. but it has three different names. Okay. Interesting. That's confusing. At least for me, someone who gets lost everywhere I go. No joke. Right. But it feels like little cities like kind of like on top of each other. They're like townships yeah. and they all encompass this one area. All right. Cool. Okay. So you said you've lived in Florida for 18 years. Have you been a photographer for that whole 18 years? No, I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I am 34 years old, so I moved from South California, so I'm actually a California native. I moved from California in the middle of high school, like junior year. I transferred into Naples High School, and I did go to college here. I am an alumni of Edison College, which is now Florida Southwestern, and I'm also alumni of FGCU, which is Florida Gulf Coast University. So I graduated in 2011. I did not know what I was going to do. I was actually working for Parks and Rec as a bait girl. So I worked at a marina scooping shrimp and fish for fishermen coming in and out. <laughs> That's quite um, quite a change from that too. Absolutely. Like and, yeah. you know, I have parents who are first-time, you know, they're immigrants. So I'm a first-time American. So clearly I should have been a doctor. Right. Or an attorney. <laughs> right. Or an accountant. A dentist. Yeah. Something, you know. And when I I was doing dual majors, dual degrees actually. I was in the College of Business and I was in the College of Arts and Science. And I remember taking a photography class. I'm pretty much self-taught. And I did this is my only end quote formal training was taking this photography class because I randomly met the photographer instructor at a business etiquette dinner. And I, he sat next to me and I started talking to him about photography. And he's like, oh, you should take my class. And I said, I really don't have any electives available to take your class because when you take dual degrees, like you're only allowed to have so many elected, like so many credits right. to fill, fill with your program. Yeah. And he's like, I'll waive your prereqs for you. Oh, So nice. I was like... Okay, because I thought that I was going to go be this behavioral financialist. And so I thought when I was going to his class that I was going to be with other people who wanted to be a photographer as a career choice. So I was so scared to take his class that I, you know, decided I needed to take on a personal project to be a better photographer so that when I joined this class, I can hang with these kids, these other students who are like other photographers. 
that were like probably doing it since they were like five. Mm-hmm. And so I was on Flickr at the time, and that's where Zianna kind of came about. Was so your business? Just for people listening, your business name is called Zianna Photography. Yes, it's yeah, called okay. Zianna. Yeah, yeah. Z e e a n n a. Yeah. Space. A-N-N-A. Everyone always misses the space and the capitalized the A. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> but it's supposed to be Z-Anna with an exclamation point. Okay, got so it. So it was a play on the, the the phrase, like, the one, the only, the Anna. Ah, I got know. it. I was like 18, 17. I was a baby. Like, I was young when I signed up for Flickr. And for so Flickr. They, had this, yeah. they had this project called, like, the Project 365, which is a self-portrait a day for a year. And so I started doing this project because I was like, that's the fastest way I can learn photography is to take a picture of myself every day. It was like the hardest project you can possibly do. I can't even imagine. I'd, I would never want to do it. <laughs> so clearly I had to do it because I'm I'm a chronic like overachiever, you know, tiger parents, what do you expect? And so I was like two or three months in, Explored a bunch of times essentially what they would consider being viral, building my clout, aka influence. Mm -hmm. I realize now as one of the OG influencers, did not realize that. Sorry, kids. (laughs) And what happened was, you know, I took this class and my instructor was like, I'm so excited that you're here. I've been following your work on Flickr. I have high expectations for you. Of course, what I thought was high expectations was not. Okay. I thought it was way up into like the sky where it really was probably like ground level, honestly. But I realized that I wasn't, I was actually one of the better photographers of my class. And when I realized that I was better than pretty much everyone in my class, I was like, what can I do so that we can be friends? And so I just helped everybody out. We'd learn together. That's awesome. So after I took that class, I learned that I can teacher aid for his class. And so I could teach her aid for service learning hours, which was required of me to graduate college, but I could still learn and stay in photography and teach students what I learned because I learned, I learn better when I teach others. Isn't that the truth? Oh, I'm the same. Yeah. It's wild because people always say things like those who teach can't do, but I don't think so. Like I think those who want to teach have something to tell the world. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's let's keep moving forward. Okay, so you were a teacher aide then. You were helping out other students, and at that point, were you like, okay, I'm going to start my business? No. <laughs> <laughs> that point, I almost dropped out of college. Oh, you were like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I was like, is this it? I was having an existential crisis. I at that moment, I think my life changed. Like, I turned 21. I had like a year left in college. I was so close to graduating two degrees. And I think I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. Decided that I was going to pursue, like, I don't know, start taking pictures, like kind of professionally, like part-time. Not nothing serious because clearly you, I'm going to be a starving artist. You know, like mm-hmm. I can't pay my bills with photography. And that's what I've been told my entire life was same. Like, I mean, maybe artists, not specifically for photographers, but artists or you know. artists in general. Yes, right. Like no one's going to pay you to paint. No one's going to pay you to draw. No one's going to pay you to take pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I had a little crisis. And I remember my photography instructor, I spent a year and a half with him teaching, helping him with his class. And he, Nowadays, James Greco, I still tell him, like, you're like my mentor. You're my very first mentor. He said, you can do it. You should be a photographer. And so I was like, all right, let me graduate college first. <laughs> so I finished my degree. I went to my counselor. and I was like, tell me how what I can do to graduate as soon as I can. And she's like, you need to take all these classes like in the next two semesters. So I graduated. Um, of course, I graduated in 2011 right into the market where everything was turd. And I remember like, I just wanted to do things that I was willing to do for free, but but it gave me experiences. And I had done this like art internship with Rocky Patel Premium Cigars. And I became friends with the director of marketing there. And before I met Rocky, I don't know. Okay, going back to the main story, James used to send me out on these service learning jobs for photography where I would just go to like, 
to cover photos for like events for the school. And he sent me out to this um, fallen soldier event. And there I met Kevin Robbins, which is director of marketing at the time for world famous cigar bar. And we were just chit chatting. He says, you should go to my bar. I'll buy you a drink. And so I remember going to this bar and from that bar, I started really like enjoying like the company and the people that were there. And we're talking like anywhere from being a garbage man to a rocket scientist to CEOs of cigar companies, all kind of crowding around this lifestyle of cigars and liquor and like really good like liquor and pairing them in like this lifestyle. And they started doing these events. And I said, hey, can, I am a photographer, I'm a student photographer. I'd love to like photograph these events. And they were always dark and they were dingy and they were like black ceilings. So I learned how to shoot flash and off camera flash oh, for nice. free mm-hmm. in smoky, dingy, like cigar bar environments. And from there, that's how I met the director of, like, met Rocky Patel and his family and met his director of marketing. And then my husband and I, boyfriend at the time, did an internship with them. And we opened a couple bars. Like, we had such a great, like, this was such a great year for me. Like, these years that I spent in the cigar industry were amazing. Like, I loved it. And I learned so much about, like, lighting and gear and talking to people and being around people. And then my health declined and I had to leave the industry. So when I was getting ready to leave Cigars, because I was friends with director of marketing, he had introduced me to another photographer who was, they had hired to do work for them. And this photographer was Doug Thompson. And I remember he gave my name to another person who worked at the e-commerce website side of Marissa Collections, Heather Nigro. And she emailed three photographers and she emailed me. She goes, I like you the best. And then they had like an emergency where they, the photographer they initially hired like bailed. And she called me and says, do you want this job? Do you want to come and shoot this? And I said, yes. And I went and I shot jewelry for the first, I don't know how to shoot jewelry at the time. I was like, I'm going to go shoot jewelry. (laughs) What I did know was I knew knew Photoshop and I knew how to edit my photos and I knew lighting enough at least to make sure that the jewelry looked good. And I shot it and they offered me a job in a, like next week. So here I am shooting product e-commerce photography at, I don't know, 21 years old, full-time with benefits and like good pay at a college six months later. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So of course my mom was like, I don't think anyone's going to take you seriously because you don't have a master's in photography. Which if you ask most of, of the successful photographers out there these days, nobody does. <laughs> it was kind of ironic. But I look at her, I'm like, mom, I'm getting paid like a salary with full benefits doing photography for someone else. This mm-hmm. is before I even had my own business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was with Marissa Collections for about 16, 18 months. And then I left and did my own thing. So... Well, I was going to say, we have so much to talk about with your experience. So jump ahead to when you started your business and what genre you started in. So when I started my business, it was in 2010, and I shot my first wedding March 27th of 2010. And so I was shooting small weddings then, and then I started doing commercials. So when I started my business, I was shooting part-time weddings and commercial work, like commercial branding work. So when I went to Marissa Collections, I went full-time, essentially full-time commercial editorial, like e-commerce. Really, e-commerce was really where my strong point was there, and fashion. And then when I left there, I was so burnt out from shooting e-commerce product, fashion, all of that, that I went straight into weddings. And so weddings was like 90% of my business from 2013 until about 2017, 18, when it switched over to about... 70% weddings, about 20% commercial and 10% portraits. And then I had a COVID hit and I had a child. And of course with COVID, like your business is going to, like weddings was non-existent. Weddings and events was non-existent. So it dropped to 50% weddings and 50% events, branding and commercial. And then after COVID, like in 2021, it was like 40% weddings. And then now I'm at like, I shoot maybe 10 weddings a year and the rest is editorial, commercial, and branding. 
Now, you, but you used to do, I mean, when you were doing full-time weddings, how many weddings were you doing per year? For how long? So when I did full-time weddings, the the most weddings I've ever shot in a year was 55. 55. Like that's so many 55. weddings in one year. So I was shooting 55, 45 to 55 from 2014 all the way to about 17. And then I dropped down to about 35. Yeah, that's wild. I worked a lot. Yeah. I still work a lot. Yeah. I still shoot every day, yeah. essentially. All right. So I know we have a lot of listeners out there, Anna, who are like, okay, I'm in weddings. I don't want to be anymore for whatever reason. You know, the weekends that you lose your weekends, it's a lot harder when you have kids. They're just tired of just the long hours and the t- just so much editing and all the things that come along with it. Families that are difficult, you know, and I'm okay. So mo- I feel like most people are great, you know, brides and grooms and grooms and grooms and brides and brides and all the things. But, you know, you run into those families that will suck your soul dry. So anyways, there's a variety of reasons that people want out of weddings. I know COVID definitely probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it really push you to try other things and move forward through other things. But tell people how you did it. I guess the first thing I did was I didn't listen to anybody who didn't pay my bills. So if I'm going to give anyone advice, unless someone is going to pay your bills or you want to be where they are, take their advice with a grain of salt. Because if I would have listened to someone who told me to stay in my lane, I wouldn't have had a commercial side to my business. You know, I was essentially told that I was a jack of all trades because I had my hand in everything. And it wasn't because I was bad or I was good or I needed a lot of money or I needed to work a lot. I just, it just made me happy. It made me happy to know that my skills can translate from weddings to commercial work to branding to editorial to product photography to food photography. Like it made me happy that I could do these things. And so what I guess the best advice I can give anyone who is looking to transition is what makes you happy? And to find that, it could be as simple as like, like I've been shooting food for the last two years and I am not a food photographer. Like I am, and I tell people all the time, like I am, I did not start out with food, but you know what I am? I'm a foodie. (laughs) I love Mm. food, Mm -hmm. but I know how to also tell a story. So as a wedding photographer, what skills do you have that are beyond lighting, beyond technical? What, What can you bring to the table? Your voice, your story, your desire to sell. Everything is for sale, you guys. Everything is marketing, even weddings. You know, you're selling a dream. When you shoot a chef, when you shoot food, you're selling that experience of eating that food, of what does that look like to you? Like eat with your eyes, they call it. And so how do you like that? So you start with something small. You know, don't niche down until you feel bored, I guess the term is. Niche down. So if you're in weddings and you are getting bored, stagnant, or feeling a little burnt out, move to something else. Move to portraits. Give yourself something that makes your heart sing again. And then transfer your skills from one genre to another. You're not leaving that genre. You're just expanding your skill set. No one tells musicians to stay in their lane. They encourage musicians to learn the piano, learn guitar, learn other instruments, sing. No one tells a painter to stop drawing or sketching or using other mediums. Why are we telling other photographers to, to stay in their lanes? Mm-hmm. So when you diversify, you guys, you want to diversify in a way that makes sense in terms of like, once you master a genre, You don't have to stay there unless you're happy. So if you're unhappy, move to another genre. So when I got bored with wedding photography, I just to give myself some like some creative outlet, I started underwater photography. Underwater photography lended itself well to fantasy portraits. And then I started, you know, I wanted to tell do more than more than just weddings and portraits. So I got into editorial. Editorial is telling a story, but I got to use different lighting techniques. I got to experiment. I got to meet new people. I got to hear their story. That lent itself to branding. Then branding lent itself to commercial jobs because commercial is so vast. Mm -hmm. You know, commercial encompasses headshots. It encompasses 
branding, it encompasses product, it encompasses even medical. Mm-hmm. Like forensics is not really commercial, but I mean, I've done a job once where I had to photograph for an accident. Wow. And it's just that would be wild. Right. Be like, are you curious? (laughs) What? You don't know what you like and what you want to do until you take it. Now, I can hear people saying like this lends to this to this, but I I, I know I can hear people saying, but how, you know, are you, you know, networking? Are you just putting your, you know, are you talking to past clients? And is someone coming to you saying, hey, Anna, like I have this food and I need it photographed and I know you're a photographer and maybe they just assume you do everything. You know, like how are all of these jobs coming your way? Because I know they're not just randomly finding you and you're sitting at home doing nothing. No, I am leveraging my network. Okay. So when I say leveraging your network, I've told many, many, many students and many, many beginner photographers or many people trying to tra- like transition is your network is your net worth. So what I mean by that is like most people want to work with other people who get them, who understand where they're coming from. So let's say you want to start shooting food. No one's going to just let you go into their restaurant and go, I want to offer this for free. I want to shoot your stuff for free if you don't have anything, any skin in the game. So there's two ways to do this. I'll tell you the most fastest, easiest way is put your money where your mouth is. Go to the restaurant, order food, shoot the food, and offer the photos to the restaurant. And you do it like four or five times with other restaurants until you build a portfolio and you share that online. And then you use that portfolio to pitch to other restaurants. Now, not everyone has food budget money. So you can do what my friend Ted Neum did. And he would just shoot. Like he would go and he would just, he, he would pitch it to a story of like a small business. And he's like, hey, I'm a photographer. I'm trying to break into something. And I want to photograph your story. I want to tell you. He had a blog. He had a food blog. And now he's shooting for like Philadelphia Eats, Bon Appetit. Like you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the financial capital, you have sweat equity. You have something that is valuable to other people. So things like if you want to do into branding, you want to get into branding, find like a friend of small business, your parents, uncle's. Yes. Car wash. Yes. Car wash. And be like, hey, I want to offer this shoot free for free. Or like look at their website, do a website audit. Hey, I noticed that your website is lacking. You offer these five services and it's lacking photos for these five services. Or you go and you eat at this amazing hole in the wall restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, God, I want more people to like, I want more people to look at this. And you look on Yelp and there's like shitty photos. Yeah. What can you do? Like, yes. what, like, Ugh. What do I say to people? Like, help me help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so all of that is the funny thing is like, it's not just, everything is interconnected. So when I talk about network, I'm talking about people think about you if you help them. Mm-hmm. So your photography, your images are currency and you want to use that. So I have leveraged my photography in ways of like trades, mm-hmm. in uh, vendor lists, in um preferred vendors list in like top of my marketing top of my marketing is essentially um you need to appear in someone's like in front of someone so many times where the first thing they think about when they say do you know a good photographer they think about you mm-hmm. so what i mean by that is like it is a combination guys like marketing is very active you cannot mm-hmm. be passive when it comes to marketing and it will take a while like your marketing efforts need to kind of go hand in hand with other types of ways that you're going to actively do business. Yep. So like my my contracts with a local regional magazine, for example, is like, we're, we're going to talk about like money, for example. I have a contract with a um, local magazine, Golf Shore Life. Essentially, I have this relationship with this magazine and they focus on small businesses, but really good stories in the area. And how they found me was they did a story on a local wedding venue and I happened to have just shot there two weeks prior. And I was such like, I had been so friendly and so like charismatic and so caring and so loving towards this venue that like anytime they asked me to like do something for them, like I was like, absolutely, here's your photos, like no problem. When they were being featured by this magazine, 
the photo editor got the photos from me and she reviewed them and was saw something in my work and was like, can I share this with my creative director? It turned out that creative director was also looking on Instagram for new talent and he ran into my work. And so it was like serendipitous in terms of like the photo editor brought my name up. He had found my name and they had offered me to come shoot something for them. Of course, I'm like, you're not going to pay me enough to like do this opportunity for you, but you have to see beyond the opportunity, like see beyond the price tag almost. Like, okay, I'm willing to do this at like half my normal rate and see where it goes. And then I realized that, okay, we started filming a really good relationship and I started having these really great stories and they paid me enough to license the images from the shoots for me. And then I was able to sell additional images to the clients that I was like photographing in front of me. But it was nice because I was like, okay, well, I didn't have to find these people. I didn't have to convince these people to work with me. I didn't have to pay the marketing like manpower or pay the marketing like uh, fees to find these people in front of me. So I'm okay shooting at a, a lower rate than I normally would because they're doing all the legwork for me to get these people in front of me. So my job is once these people are in front of me, I need to provide the best, most magical experience so that they think about me. They think about how wonderful it was, that session, that that experience. So it all comes into like, if you want to like really succeed by changing or transitioning, I guess, transitioning out of weddings, mm-hmm is take those skills you have from weddings, like that people skills, you know, like we have to juggle so much on a wedding day. We have to juggle so many personalities. We have to, you know, do it all with a smile on our face. We know how to think quickly. We know how to like quickly. We know how to tell a story. I'm going to tell you now, the commercial world does not have that many photographers like that. Yeah. They do not have a lot of photographers who can, who can tell a story, mm-hmm. who can connect with subjects who can light quickly because in the commercial world, time is money. Mm -hmm. And, and shooting weddings for so long, you can like, I mean, you have to adapt so quickly and just so many different lighting scenarios and so many different locations. So, yeah. Wait, I want to back up though. I, I really love what you were saying about how you're leveraging your network. And so marketing is not sitting still. I feel like I could just quote you on that. Like Anna Wen said, marketing does, is not standing still because it's not. And I just, it's not. yeah, I just taught a new marketing course. And one of the things that had, was super effective for me was like you said, was doing trades. I would, I was going into these networking meetings with, you know, there are other, a lot of other photographers who had been in these groups for years. And here I am brand new walking in thinking, okay, how am I going to get these people to trust me? And so much of it, it's not about me going in saying, you know, how many people am I going to book for shoots today? It was about how can I build relationships, build connections. And then eventually once I felt like, okay, I sort of bonded with this person a little bit. I really want them as a client. I offered trades to people whose services I did not even need in exchange because I knew I was going to just blow them away with amazing photos. They were going to share with their friends, all the people in the group. They were going to tag me on Facebook. And I can't tell you how much snowballed from that. So much. Yeah. And you know, that takes time. It so does. A hundred percent. People always think time. that like, oh, if I give you this free session, you're going to bring me all this business. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's okay to give free stuff away, but you have to be very strategic about it. Yep. So when I tell, when people ask me about trades, for example, so like, for example, I moved into this new neighborhood, this new community. And I knew right away that I wasn't going to be like the cheapest photographer ever. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be the cheapest photographer ever either. I wanted to, I wanted everyone who thought about me, who when someone goes in the Facebook group, hey, because no, we're a small community and we're growing, which means this is prime, prime real estate right now to be like the photographer that everyone refers to. Like I noticed in my group, everyone's hungry to have this hometown feel. And if someone goes, oh, I need a, uh, electrician. They're always referring to the same electrician or very similar, mm-hmm. or I need a good handyman or I need a good, you know, water treatment, you know, system, or I need all these services, these AC services, these, you know, other services. I'm like, Oh my God, I have a captive audience <laughs> who are eager to, who are eager to help in the community, like support each other. 
And they always support small business. They always go, I want to help other businesses in the ranch. So I'm like, that's it. I'm in a place where I need these services in my home. I don't know if these services need me, but I want to help them. And hopefully they'll help me. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'll have these service people in my business, you know, and then next thing you know, I paid them for a service and they, they pay me for a service. Mm -hmm. And then we do a trade. I was like, are you interested in, you know, photography for your business? Are you interested in photography for your family? Are you interested in any of these things? And they'll be like, absolutely. And I was like, I'll trade you retail for retail. And that's the key guys. You're not trading your time for time. You're trading retail for retail, which means you're still maintaining your value. Yep. Well, another thing you said too was about how this does take time. And we can't expect, you know, if we do a trade or give a free shoot, that all of a sudden we're going to have 50 clients coming in the door. Because I've said this so many times, I feel like kind of a broken record. So sorry if you listen all the time and I keep saying it, but it's important that sometimes people are going to reach out and they're going to not feel ready for whatever reason. Maybe they don't feel like they have the money. Maybe they don't feel like their appearance is how they exactly want to be at the moment. But I have had people who inquired four years ago, come back and book a shoot later. You have to be in front of them. What did you say it was? Like top, s- top of the mind marketing. Yes. Yeah, six or seven times or something before they're even going to remember. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten bigger. It's like seven to 12 times now. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. They have to see your name being referred. They need to, they need to hear, like, it could be as simple as like them seeing their friends tagging me in their family photos. It could be a newsletter that goes out. It could be e-blast. It could be, you know, going on a podcast like this. It can be, it just needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like they need to see your name. Like my name in the bylines of the magazine, I didn't start getting inquiries from that magazine until a year and a half later. Mind you, I am in that magazine every month. Yeah. It's, I mean, so, Yeah. Right. So like, and from the magazine standpoint of top of my marketing is my names in the bylines. And then they tag me on social media and, and then maybe of a, a chef or not a chef, but one of the subjects tags me. So that's three points of me being online. And then let's say someone sees only two of those, but then they go to like their friend's story because their friend is a f- chef friend of this other chef I photographed and they see that story. And then they go, oh my God, that's a that's wonderful photos. Like, I want to do that too. But then they forget. And then six yep. months later, they see another story online from that same friend. Maybe that friend's being photographed. Like it builds time before someone's ready to book with you. Mm-hmm. So that's why you can't just do it one time. You have to continue to market. You have to continue to put out good work and put out a good experience. Because mm-hmm. it will come back to you. Do you charge the same amount across the board for what you do? And, you know, as far as weddings, I, I know you're only doing like 10 a year now, but, you know, how, like, how, do, how is all your pricing going at this point? So weddings are priced. I have three collections. I have like the dream collection, which is like essentially everything under the sun, tailored all day coverage, two photographers, parent albums, album, engagement shoot, rehearsal dinner coverage, all of that. And that's priced at sixteen five, sixteen thousand five hundred. 16500 Wow. That's that's great. Like, has it always been that high? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> because I had zero confidence in myself. So that's another thing. I guess, I guess kind of circling back from pricing, you have to find a very good support system that believes in you in a way that helps you kind of overcome these money blocks. And it and sometimes it's okay to like step out of your comfort zone and go to like conferences and meet other photographers mm-hmm. and meet other vendors doing the same thing you're doing, you knowing that you're a better photographer than the person you're talking to. And they're going, yeah, I'm charging like $20,000 and I don't even know flash. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at that person and be like, what the F? Yeah. You don't even know flash and you're charging that much. Yeah. Well, okay. So like you said, finding this sort of group of people, community, whatever, I'm telling you, like through, you know, Sue, Sue Bryce built this insanely amazing community of people. And like we have our own Facebook group where people are supporting each other nonstop. In person, I swear, people end up meeting lifelong friends at the conferences because it's just such a supportive, welcoming community that really lifts each other up and encourages people to 
charge sustainable prices. You know, there's, but, and then also like, I know you and I are part of a Facebook group that we've been part of way before I was like, this was, I think it was like 2013 or something where we have supported each other. You know, that's how I know you initially. Like there, there are so many supportive photographers out there ready to lift you up and ready to help. You just have to find your people. Yes. And I think it's really important because it doesn't even have to be photographers. It, it took true. a wedding planner. Very true. Mm-hmm. It took a wedding planner to look at me and go, okay, so you're going to charge $8,000 for this wedding. Like I remember doing a quote for her, like mind you, like we're talking like, I think I had a six hour collection for like $3,800. Uh, like I was yeah. giving, I was essentially yeah. giving away the farm. Like my eight hours was like 45. I, I was like, I think my highest collection was $6,500 for all day coverage. Like I was giving away everything essentially. Mm-hmm. And I remember her, like we're like, we're talking and we're, we're working through a timeline and she goes, why are you cutting it down? I was like, well, I can do everything in like this time frame. Like I can do everything you're asking me for in six hours. She goes, well, let's just give yourself some breathing room. I go, well, I already, I already gave myself breathing room. She goes, no, we're going to do eight hours and you're going to charge this amount of money. And then that's when it was like a light bulb moment clicked for me. And I realized that this person believed in me so much and knew that her clients would pay that amount for me because of the skill set I had and the value I brought and beyond like beyond just being a photographer, like the people skills, the organization skills, the efficiency, the lighting, the knowledge, like, all of that is a value. And it took someone else, actually, it took a lot of people to tell me that I was not charging enough. Even my own clients would go, yeah, you're such a steal, but please don't overcharge us because like, weirdly, you know that you are worth more than what we paid. Mm-hmm. So it took a few people and a few years for me to finally get over that mental block of going like, you know what? I'm going to charge this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just do experiments. I'll just say like a number, like I don't want to work that weekend or something. I'd be like, yeah, you can probably get me that for like this amount of money. And they'll be like, okay. I'm like, freaking A. Yep. Now I have to work. But at least I'm working for like $12,000. Right. And <laughs> right. So mind you, like I have yet to book the 16-5 collection, but I have booked $20,000 weddings. So this is the first time like – my first collection, my all-day collection, is priced meant to not book that. I don't want them to book that. I want them to book my $7,500 collection. So I have three collections. My my first collection is like the dream collection. So everything that you would possibly want for like a weekend for like your, your coverage. And it's just basic. So like your albums are... You have 10 pages for your, your main album and then your parent albums are duplicates of that. So I do have a sales team that takes care of like my post-wedding sales. So like my averages for post-wedding sales are anywhere between like $25,000 and $3,000 depending. I've had sales up to $14,000 post-wedding. So it's just a matter of like how I prep my clients and like how my sales team does. I'm the problem, guys. I want to give away the farm even when I had let go of the farm, like let go of the sales process. Okay. Uh, One thing I want to talk about, you saying sales process, it just made me think of something because when we were chatting earlier, you know, just while we were getting tech stuff ready, you mentioned something about your sales team. Yes. So uh, talk talk to people about that. Like, I don't think most people have a sales team or we haven't really talked to too many photographers on on this show that do have a sales team. So I have, I hired Printographers Society, which is Michaela Harris's um, business, and I was drowning. I was doing IPS. I was doing like a hybrid of in IPS with like digital. For people who might not yes. know what IPS. Oh, sorry. Is. I was doing in-person sales. I had a studio in 2018, and I so I took the Steve Saperito workshop twice. And I absolutely loved it. I learned a lot about sales. I learned about service. Not even sales, more like service. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was doing my clients a disservice by not providing them printed products. And mind you, my work looks amazing printed. When you print your stuff, it's a whole different monster. Like It is just absolutely beautiful seeing your work, your blood, sweat, and tears kind of like form into this album or portrait box or like art piece on the wall. Yeah. And there's just like a sense of pride in there. So I was like, all my clients need to have this. 
when I had my daughter, I lost my mind, you guys. Like I was <laughs> in survival mode. Like I got pregnant in 2019. I COVID hit at the time when I gave birth. I gave birth in lockdown. Oh my gosh. I like I can talk about parenting and, and work in a whole different podcast, but it kind of just shook me to the core, like kind of like it was traumatizing. It was very traumatizing. And like, I lost my studio. I didn't lose it. I just closed it. I closed my studio because it was unsafe to bring my clients to the studio space. I started doing sales online. Then I started getting busy because we had all those rebooks and I had all these reschedules and I was drowning. I was drowning in being a new parent. I was drowning in managing my business, drowning in editing, culling. I just needed to delegate. And I saw Michaela had posted this like comment nested in like, I don't know, nine comments on this like random Facebook page for photographers saying, oh, we do, we do external sales for some, for some studios. You know how fast I jumped into her inbox? I was like, yo, I heard you are doing sales for other studios. (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm doing an onboarding with her. And I'm getting set up. It took me a whole year to work through my mental blocks and how to speak to my clients and how to structure, restructure my business after being so like pregnancy brained out. Yeah, it's not easy. Now it's running full force and it's great. So we have a great system going on. Yes, it is a very large upfront cost. Yes, they do take a much larger commission than most sales teams. But you know what I don't need to do? I don't need to do the pre-consultation. I don't need to do the design. I don't need to do the sale. I don't need to do the shipping. I don't need to do anything. Ugh, all the things I, I hate doing, which is why I stopped doing prints for so long. Right. And so I sat there and I thought about it and I go, yes, I could take this in-house. Yes, I could do this all myself. But I was drowning when I was doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can train a person. But then what if I put all my eggs in one basket and that person leaves or gets pregnant exactly. or moves away? Yep. And so I would have paid that person the same amount of money I was paying Michaela's team and a salary. And now she's managing all of my sales for like my weddings. It's amazing. Okay. So if people are interested in like, you know, having a sales team or whatever, what would you look for in a, in a good sales team? Like what would you recommend to people, you know what I mean? Like if they didn't want to train someone, I swear that's why I didn't have a full-time assistant for so long because the thought of training someone made me want to like sit in a ball in the corner and like rock myself. Like I just, I hated the thought of training someone. So having a sales team that is just swoops right in sounds really appealing. So my priority for a sales team was like kind of twofold. Like I was desperate because I was drowning and I knew my clients were not being serviced. We're talking like a client will pay for an album and I wouldn't get to it for six months. Yeah. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Okay. I think we've all been there at some point where we're just like letting things slip. It's hard. It's hard. So you want to ask them, how do you speak to my clients? Because you want it to be a seamless experience. I trusted Michaela and her team because she was also a luxury photographer. And so she knew what, what, how to speak to a client who was going to fork over thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. It was important to me that we spoke a similar language in terms of like what my clients like are used to. They're used to a very personal high touch like system. They're used to me giving them a really good experience. And I wanted that to translate into my team. And so I did an interview with her or I did onboard when I did my onboarding with them. I talked to them about it. I met the people. I got really comfortable like understanding their process. I was also willing to mold my own processes in with theirs to make it a seamless experience for everyone involved. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. They told me that they can they can tell my clients they're like, "Oh, we can charge, you know, this amount of money." And I was like, "Really?" Cuz I can't. <laughs> like, isn't it funny how that works? <laughs> I was like, okay, but so, like, for example, when we first started doing a, they did an audit of my like pricing as well, part of the onboarding, and um, she's like, you have beautiful work, we can easily sell this, but you're charging fifty dollars a spread. That's twenty five dollars a page, and she goes, we need to raise that to a hundred dollars a page, so two hundred dollars a spread, and I was like. Oh my God, no one's going to pay that. 
You know what I mean? And then I go, well, you know what? If you can confidently tell my clients that it is $100 a page, I will sit there and go, "Mm mm-hmm, that's how much it costs, and shut up. And you know what? My clients paid it. And then that was like the eye-opening experience for me was that someone else was saying it, Mm -hmm. so I didn't back out of my own sale. Mm -hmm. I didn't give the farm away because I felt guilty and bad about myself, like saying like, like I felt bad about earning money. That's a whole other thing that we go through. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it was my most important thing was how soon can we start? Who can we, like, I was motivated to get this done because I was drowning and I had clients who were on me about like, you know, when can we start our album design? When can we do this? And as long as, and I told them kind of like what my system was like. And then they told me their system and I liked their system better. So I just wanted to modify their system a little bit for me. And then we have monthly monthly check-in calls. So if something is not working last month, I talk to them about my feelings. They talk about their feelings and we, we adjust it for the next month. It's so great. And then they tell me, they tell me like, hey, you know, that makes sense for you to do that. But you're going to like, they like from experience of like working with other studios and working with their own businesses, like they're bringing all this knowledge, this consulting knowledge to my business to help me succeed. Because if I succeed, they succeed. And because it, after it, the onboarding, yeah, yeah after well, the onboarding fee, real quick, it's commission. I was just going to say, it's, it's kind of, you're basically making money while you sleep. I mean, I know you have to have the meetings and kind of manage them and that sort of thing, but you're making money while you sleep. The first time I got, like when I got a $14,000 sale, I was sitting on the couch with my nephew playing in California on vacation when the 17 has notification came through. And I think, Amazing. I think I was like, are you effing kidding me? I'm literally sitting on my ass right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it was two sales. It was 8,600 something and like 74 something. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and they, and I was like, what happened? She goes, Oh, they bought two albums. I go, you sold $14,000 on two albums? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, my, you want to know my biggest sale before that was only $4,500. And she did f- on, wow. on an yeah. album. Wow. 14 And this client had already paid 13 in just service. And then I started getting these, these small little notifications of like, you know, so-and-so loved their, loved their photos and they bought, you know, a thousand dollars of like artwork, whatever it is, what it is. Then I have like, Oh, so-and-so loved their photos so much that they paid like 52. They bought a collection for $5,200. I'm like, what the, I just made $2,500 doing nothing. Set on my ass. And they take a commission. You you were going to say that, and then I they take you. yes, they take a fifty percent commission. So when you say fifty percent, they go what the f? But we share cost of goods sold. So if they if it's a five thousand dollar sale and the cost of goods sold is a thousand dollars, then we split the four. So they get two, and I get two, which is two more than you would have had <laughs> if doing nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, this has been so great. I mean, you covered so much amazing things. This is really awesome. I, I feel like I'm going to have to have Thanks. you on again one day. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Well, and I'm There's excited so to hang out with you at the Portrait Masters Conference. That you're, I know you're going. I'm so excited to hang out in person. And I know. I've only seen you like a handful of times in person, but like I was telling Vincent earlier about like WPI and the bigger conferences, like it's so hard to see everyone that it you is. want to see yep. and have more than like a two minute conversation with them because it's so large. Whereas like, I'm excited for portrait masters. because It's like, so it's different. My first, mm-hmm. It's my first time. Like I don't, I wouldn't, I know people, but I don't know people. And I, like, I'm excited to like form new friendships and like share secrets and like talk about like my problem points, my pain points, my mindset problems, like, like, and then offer advice and help and, and stuff in like other areas with other photographers who may have the same struggles or different struggles. So like, I call it like the mastermind. Like I'm excited mm-hmm. to go to mm-hmm. be like, Okay, I have the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> I can't Aww, wait. So this fun. is what I'm excited about. Also, yeah. like, you know, like I said, like, I'm getting a little more stagnant in, like, my lighting and how I like to pose. And I'm like, you know what? Let me go and, like, portfolio build. Me, 13 years in, shoots almost every day, still needs a portfolio build. 
I love it. Because it because if I don't, if I don't go and I don't learn, I don't be better, how am I supposed to know like the next tips and tricks, mm-hmm. the new techniques? Um, and learn from like masters and learn from like you can learn from someone who's been three years in. Maybe they know how to shoot it faster. Maybe they know how to shoot it better. Maybe they know how to shoot it. Maybe they know how to shoot cheaper. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much just from interviewing people out here on this podcast that anyone, you can learn something from anyone, regardless of how long they've been doing what they're doing. It's really, it's really amazing. Um, okay. Only because of time, we have to move on. But like I said, I feel like we need to have you back. I feel like you have so much to share. Um, but I do have four more questions for you that I always ask at the end of each episode. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Mm. My 85. Mm, yeah. I love my 85 outdoors. Especially. If it's, if it, I'm, I'm literally sitting here going like, what can I live without? I cannot, like, I can't, I can shoot everything on an 85 essentially. I can tell from your work that you um, use a longer lens. I love it. I'm always more drawn to portraits when they're done with a longer lens. I love it. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? I started uh, because I have ADHD. I have these like fixations on like different hobbies. So right now when I'm not working, what I like to do is like read Mm-hmm. So I started picking up reading again, but I read for fun, not just like self-help books. Yes, totally. Same. Um, I'm, I'm reading like stupid fi- like fantasy movie, like novels right now. I have a bird feeder, two or three. Actually, I have quite a bit. Oh, so that's I, cool. I like take care of my birds outside. They live outside, nature birds. And then I um, started picking up like my house plant stuff. So I'm gardening a little bit, but not too much because I'm not, I'm not like – They'll die on my watch. <laughs> so I have like a one tomato plant. And I then, saw you um, posting about your tomato plant on Facebook. That's it. It's yeah. just one one tomato plant, you guys, because I can't. <laughs> I'm not ready to do a hobby farm yet. I, I'm, it's a lot I'm of more work. Itching there. I've got like more food than I even know what to do with right now, which yeah, is amazing. So, it's my second year. And it's amazing how much you can learn in one year. Like now you know how to make the, that tomato. So when you start next year, it's going to be like even better. Yes, I'll probably yeah. plant, plant like cucumbers next to it or something, and the companion planting. Yes, one one or two plants at a time because I got to make sure like I can succeed first with the one plant. I've oh, never, yeah. I was I've never like, successfully done a harvest before, so I'm like, I don't know. I was like the opposite last year. I ended up, I was like, I planted everything: broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, corn, tomatoes, like all of it. And I got cabbage worms on the broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. I will never do that again. And there were just so many. I was like, okay, I need to narrow this down. So now I just do my onions, tomatoes, cucumbers, green beans, corn, strawberries, potatoes. All right. Number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote? I think it, I mean, it's not perfect. It's been a while, but my favorite quote is from Joe McNally. And I believe it's your camera is a visa. So I could be wrong. It could be completely wrong. It could be someone else saying that. But essentially the quote is your camera is the key to like opportunities mm-hmm. to travel and to do things that you wouldn't want to do. It's it's the gateway. So I have experienced so many amazing things oh, because agreed. I was a photographer. Yes, agreed. And like I've 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 traveled and done things. I've I've learned so much stories from other like creatives other Mm -hmm. like people I photograph like I learned like I'm curious by nature I love to learn I love to absorb knowledge I'm also a major gossip because I love to tell stories and my camera allows me to get close to people like closer than normal most like I've shot CEOs I've shot politicians I've shot like people who like you couldn't get close to unless you like Pass a security clearance. And it was just us and my camera because my camera is my ticket in. Yeah, it's great. I have to like look it up exactly because I remember reading it on the Strobus when I was like, I don't know, 2009. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure it's Joe McNally said it. Yeah. Or it could have been David Hobby. Yeah, people but can I'll look it up. I'll look, I'll look it up. (laughs) 
All right. And last question is, what would you tell people who are just starting out? I mean, the entire podcast. Listen to the Portrait Masters podcast. <laughs> I guess, oh no, for real. It, it Always stay curious. Always kind of follow your whims a little bit when, when it comes to creativity. Don't just stay in a box because creativity does not do well when it's contained. When you allow it to flourish, you allow it to expand, you allow it and you just chase after that sometimes. You don't have to do it all the time. Just chase after that inspiration. You will create some of your favorite work or you'll learn a hard lesson. I love that. That's great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at ZAnnaPhoto. You can find me on Facebook, Anna Wen Stratton. I'm not on it. It's private. You can find me there, though. I may even not <laughs> add you as a friend. Um, and you can find me online on my website at ZAnna.com. Z-E-E-A-N-N-A.com. Fantastic. Thank you again. And I'll see you in September in Arizona. I know. Same. <laughs> Thank you so Yay. much. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge, plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.